Introducing the newest addition to the Sonos home sound system, the Sonos One. This smart speaker blends great sound with Amazon Alexa, so you can use your voice to control your whole Sonos system. Connect it to a Sonos home theater system and tell Alexa to turn up the TV volume in your living room so you can hear an ice hockey play-by-play on the podium while you're cooking in the kitchen. From NBC Sports and Vox Media, this is The Podium. So let's get into the head of Sean White. The shipper of the United States. Lindsey Vaughn, this is her chance now. And I'm your host, Lauren Shahadi. Welcome to day 14 of the 2018 Olympic Winter Games. Here's Tim Struby with the headlines. Women's figure skating wrapped up today with the Olympic athletes from Russia topping the podium. 15-year-old Alina Zagitova took the gold and Yevgenia Medvedeva took the silver. This marked the first time that the Olympic athletes from Russia won a gold medal at these games. As for the U.S., it's official. Maya and Alex Shibutani are the only ones bringing home individual figure skating medals from the 2018 Winter Games. The ice dancing pair earned the bronze earlier this week. And after their medal, they stopped by our studio. I described the scene here at the broadcast center during their event. Anyone who could stop and watch had their eyes glued to the screen. And I asked Maya what makes ice dancing so captivating. It really, truly combines athleticism and also entertainment and artistry. And I think that out of the four disciplines, ice dance really does an amazing job displaying that. It showcases all of those things evenly. There's something for everyone. Uh, you know, we've had fans come up to us who, you know, maybe are your stereotypical figure skating fan, and they're like, ah, oh, my husband's always just kind of put up with my figure skating obsession, but we were watching you guys skate, and he loves it now. And it's great that the sport is finding new viewers, and that it's really the teams and the work that we're doing, and the quality of the performances that is captivating so many people. How would you guys describe your style of ice dancing? Different. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, from the moment we started, it was very clear that we were technically really good, really proficient skaters. Uh, I mean, we go back and look at videos of when Maya was skating by herself and when I was skating by myself and she was like, you know, it's the type of footage that you see of like a young prodigy in any like sport. And Maya was that and I wasn't quite that. But when we started skating together, we really hit our stride and we've technically always been really strong. So, for example, like our twizzles, uh, it's kind of a buzzword for ice dance competition during the Olympics. We're so confident with that element and we do it better than anyone. We nailed it all four times. We nailed it all four yeah. times. We, we do more rotations than anyone else because we can and because it makes sense for our programs. And so that confidence is something that we're really proud of uh, because we've worked very hard at it. But stylistically, we're a different team just because of who we are. Uh, we're a sibling team. We're of Asian descent. You don't see very many teams in ice dance that look like us, especially at the very, very elite levels. And so stylistically, when we you know come up with programs and pick music, there are certain themes that we can't do that traditionally ice dance has been seen as kind of a romantic sport. And I think that's unfair to label it as such. And I think that any discipline of, you know, entertainment or sport, like it has to be able to grow and there has to be diversity and there have to be different points of view. And we bring our own point of view to that. 
I was wondering about the connection with the crowd. Do you guys feed off the energy of the crowd, or are you sort of so focused that you tune it out, or is it a combination of both? For sure. The energy of the crowd plays a huge role in the performance, and it really depends on the athlete whether you tap into that. Uh, some people are very internal, and they really want to focus, and figure skating is one of the sports where I think it's really important that you are engaged with your audience, engaged with the crowd that is there to watch you skate. When you grow up wanting to be a skater, you know that you're going to be out there with a partner or by yourself and everyone's watching you. And so to block all that out has never really made sense to us. Like you're performing for them. So on the Olympic stage, we're grateful to have the opportunity to do what we've always dreamed of doing. This audience was like nothing else we've ever experienced. The energy that they brought, it was amazing. And it was something that I think that we just dealt with so well. We embraced it and it made our performances even stronger. So heading into that free dance, you guys were sitting in fourth place. What was the um, the mindset? Like, were you thinking there was no room for error? And, and does that put good pressure on you? Or how do you deal with that? The mindset was really that we just had to go out and attack because we were so proud of the way that we skated in the short dance. It was our strongest performance of the season. You know, you can't control the scores, but we knew that we really brought it. We felt we were undermarked. <laughs> uh, we felt... We were disappointed that the scores were not reflective of the way that we skated. We felt like we had put out the strongest that we possibly could have, and we know that when we're at our strongest, like we were on that day, the score should be higher. It uh, has been higher. It has been higher, and that's disappointing, but you know, as an athlete and as a competitor, you learn from an early age, or at least you're told, and maybe it takes years to implement that, but you learn to move on. The competition isn't over until it's over, and we were still in a great position, and we knew that we were really in stride since the team event, skating really, really well and getting better every day that we've been here, more comfortable with the environment. We knew we had an awesome free dance performance in us for the next day. And so, uh, you know, there is a lot of pressure and there is no room for error in a nice dance field that is as strong as it's ever been. But we just knew that like this was our moment and we were going to be skating for each other. And it wasn't so much about worrying about what the judges were going to do because you don't have control over that at all. It was about making sure that we could step off the ice and know that we had done everything we could. Now, three American pairs were in super close contention. How does that make you guys feel? Is it more pressure or is it more? Is it a higher, better comfort level because you know them? Or is, what's the dynamic between you guys when it's that close? There's definitely more attention on our discipline in general when it's the Olympics, but something that I'm really proud of is that our discipline has been extremely competitive since the last Olympics. I think that the level has really risen. And so it's all of our same competitors. We see each other all the time. So there is no additional pressure on that end. I think the pressure that we felt was mostly just that we wanted to do justice to all the preparation that we've been doing and create those moments for ourselves. The competitive nature of the discipline as a whole, also within in the United States brings more attention and more attention can bring more pressure. We like the attention. We work so hard and it's nice to be appreciated for the work that we're doing. Most siblings I know can't spend that much time together, let alone work this closely together over decades. Um, how do you guys do it? What's the secret? This conversation has actually been running a little bit longer than we can typically stand being in the same room <laughs> together. <laughs> um, I, we've always had a great relationship. You know, I'm three years old, three and a half years older, but I remember being so excited to have a younger sibling because, you know, our parents did such a great job explaining to me that, like, when you have a younger sibling, 
that's a friend for life. And we've been skating together for 14 years. I've known her her entire life. It's really special, and I think it's something that gives us a lot of strength out there on the ice. Something that's really worked is that even though Alex is the older brother, because we've been a team for 14 years, yes, there's a three-and-a-half-year age difference, but we've always treated each other as equals when we're on the ice, and that's really what's helped us push ourselves to be our very best. Not to say that it's always been easy. Being three-and-a-half years older, there's kind of an expectation that I had when we started skating together. It's like, okay, you know, I've been the older brother up to this point. She's looked up to me for all these different things. In skating, it wasn't that way because when we started skating together, she was better than me. And so that took some adjusting, getting used to that. (laughs) Um, But we treat each other as equals now, and we were very professional about how we handle what we need to get done. And we do disagree. We do argue all the time. But it's how you move through that stuff that... I think has led to a lot of the success that we've had. Two Olympics done. What is next for you guys? I'm hoping you're going to tell me a vacation for a little while, some time off. What's the next step? The world championships in March or just kind of finding a new band to play instead of Coldplay? (laughs) (laughs) We haven't taken a vacation in years and there are no current plans. I wish I could say like, oh yeah, we're going to be on the islands, like just, you know, basking in the sun, enjoying our Olympic success. No plans so far. Uh, The World Championships are coming up in March. We haven't made a decision yet as to whether we'll be there to compete. It's been such a whirlwind. The past 24 hours has been some of the most exciting, memorable (laughs) moments of our lives. Uh, We'll see. I don't know. you have anything to add? Like you said, we're really just enjoying these moments. Yeah. Very, very grateful. Well, I can say that everyone has been enjoying these moments. Thank you guys very much for coming in, and uh, best of luck in the following years. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, how announcers call Olympic events for the visually impaired. Don't miss it. We'll be right back. I'm here in Pyeongchang for the Olympics, and I got the cutest video this morning from New York City. My two little girls having a living room dance party with Daddy, rocking out to our play bass, the wireless speaker for my TV from Sonos with full theater sound. The play bass is slim, it's sleek, it can slide under your TV, and it hooks up with just two cords. It's fully immersive, great for movies, but we've also been using it to stream Dora the Explorer. And thank goodness I can control the volume from my phone or my TV remote. When I turned on my girls' favorite Kids Bop channel, they held hands and started jumping up and down, so I'm guessing they appreciate the incredible sound quality as well. Sonus is offering listeners of the Podium podcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code WINTER10, capital W-I-N-T-E-R, one zero, at Sonos.com to receive this offer. Welcome back to the podium. A couple of weeks ago, we introduced you to NBC's figure skating announcers, Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir. And there's another pair of Olympic commentators at NBC that I want you to meet. Our host, Lauren Shahadi, has the story. The performance ends with him holding her aloft. She falls to the ice. He lays down beside her. That she smiles as she lays on her back, catching her breath. A gold medal performance. These veteran sportscasters, Norma Wick, Tony Ambrosio, make up the two-person team that help visually impaired people get a fuller image of what's happening on screen when they tune into the Olympic Winter Games on television. 
To hear Wick and Ambrogio's work, you need to flip on special TV settings or a custom cable box. The service the team provides is called video description. Essentially, it's close captioning for the visually impaired. The Rio Games in 2016 was the first time NBC made video description available. Here's how Wick narrated the opening of the Summer Olympic broadcast. Oh my gosh. A pile of a Winnie the Poohs. <laughs> Girls take sure photographs and hold signs really and scream his name. There aren't. This was usually in quad style, so difficult. Wick and Ambrosio both worked as sportscasters for years, so they're old hands at narrating live TV events without a script. But video description takes an even more dynamic skill set. You describe what you see appearances and actions without trying to talk over the dialogue of the play-by-play -play announcer or the color commentator that you hear on the broadcast. You have to be quick and you have to realize what is essential to really painting the picture for those who are visually impaired. Freestyle skiing skiers perform tricks as they move through a downhill course with features like rails, bumps and big jumps fully extended, twisting in the air, but lands back on her back. The sun looms over jagged mountain peaks. Fireworks light up the sky. For example, one thing that we like to do is we like to add color. Team USA in their blue jerseys with black pants. Uh, Lindsay Jacobellis in Snowcross had pink lipstick on. So you describe that. Another of the competitors had three mustaches painted on her lips in the colors of her national flag, the Czech flag, red, white, and blue. Some events are more conducive to television, um, especially aerial events, because their bodies are twisting and moving at, at such a high rate of speed. Um, even we have a hard time keeping up sometimes. But also, the venues are spectacular, they're breathtaking. I remember looking up at the bottom of slope style because oftentimes when you're looking down, when they do an overhead of a slope, it looks flat. You stand at the bottom of the hill and it looks like you're looking at a 300-foot-high tiered cake. It's just the, the, the steepness of it. And that's the context that we can give people who are non-sighted because they don't get to have that view of things. So we're able to give them dimensions and context and color. If you can, describe the, the ski hill, a long winding course, 6,000 feet. Uh, the loose track, 16 curve, long winding iced track. That kind of thing, because for many of the people who are watching these Olympics, whether you're sighted or not, you may not know much about these sports. You know, again, sort of letting our audience know just what's at stake here and that they're going 80 miles an hour and that they're going head first with their arms tucked in at their side or they're laying on their backs with their toes pointed and no brakes and the g-forces are pulling them up around these sloping curves and that's the kind of because some of these sports are really spectacular and the winter ellipse in particular um, you know there's the conditions are pretty intense and it's nice to be able to convey that. And as Goja heads down, Steve Perino. Well, talking to her coach this morning, Goja is known for putting it in fifth gear and never downshifting. There are times when we're literally chomping at the bit because something is happening in the background or they're talking over pictures that are really compelling. And we have to wrestle with, do I have the time, do I have the opportunity, or do I just jump in and say it? And so... Every second that we're watching, we're constantly making those decisions. 
they can vary that intensity and it just adds so many layers to their storytelling. They move powerfully and seductively, spinning side by side, moving down the ice in hold, skating in a tango-like dance. She dips to the ice and kicks her foot up. Some commentators don't speak when the athletes are at the starting line. Others do. Some will talk more during a race. Others won't. So you kind of, as you go along, you get a much better sense of who speaks and, and who doesn't speak during certain times of their respective sports. He throws her. She revolves in the air and lands unassisted. One sport that is so ideal for this is figure skating because there are long pauses between the commentary when the skaters are doing their their performance. And Norma does an excellent job of describing the spins, the holes, the lifts, that kind of thing. That, And in fact, if you ask a visually impaired person what they really like about figure skating for us, the uniforms. What do they look like? What do they feel like? What kind of accents do they have on them? Those kind of little things that as a sighted person, we take for granted. He skates holding her back leg, which is extended behind her. They move lyrically, rising and falling to the music. And it's hard because sometimes sighted people will be sitting there going, well, why didn't you describe that? Why didn't you describe that? And I said, but you have to listen with your eyes closed. Because side side a, lot of the, a lot of the announcers and play-by-play -play color people, they're giving great information. And you don't want to ruin that for our audience either. So you just want to enhance the experience by filling in the textures, the shapes dimensions, context, emotions. He throws her and she rotates in the air. Triple Saukow, look at his speed. He lifts her overhead. She holds her back skates while they spin and he sets her on the ice gently. Double McTwist, 1260. Sean White, one more hit. Will it be enough? Frontside 12. Perfect. That Puts is the his run that hands he up needed. In the air and he put it down. Emphatically screams at the crowd. Puts his hand in the air, his hand on his head in disbelief as he takes off his snowboard. Pumps his fist to the crowd. We take for granted so much with our vision. So we'll go, well, that's a tree, that's a mountain, that's, but gee, how do you describe, what do you call those ridges? What do you call the, you know, actually learning how to break down things and to recognize shapes and proper names. You know, we've got wonderful feedback. We love how you describe the skeleton course. We love how you describe the suits and the outfits on the figure skaters. We love that someone cares enough to do this for us. I mean, that to me is the most rewarding, rewarding part of this, without doubt. It becomes very lyrical and artistic, and it's like finding the language to describe things. And yeah, it's a real, it is an art form. It really is. And there, not a day goes by when you don't learn something else, a better way of doing things, a better way of saying things.
That'll do it for our show today, tonight in primetime on NBC. Snowboarders are back in action for the inaugural men's big air competition at the Olympics. Slopestyle gold medalist Red Girard leads a trio of Americans into the final. And another first in alpine skiing as the team event makes its Olympic debut. Countries will go head-to-head -head in slalom races to determine the final alpine medals of the Games. Our show producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Our senior producer is Jillian Weinberger. Our executive producer is Nishat Kurwa. And a special thanks to Tim Einenkel. Also a big shout out to John Howe, Tess Quinlan, and Eileen Sokol for their help on the podium. I'm Lauren Shahadi. Thanks for listening. All right, so Sonos speakers are super easy to set up, but if you just don't even want to bother with that, you can have someone else do it for you for free. How awesome is that? That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, up and running, we'll have a trained expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. Just order from Sonos.com and select up and running at checkout if you qualify.